You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain of leadership and talk with leaders of all ages and all stages about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And today, I am very excited because my guest is Derek Kilgore. Let me tell you a little bit about Derek. Derek is a grounded leader with a heart-centered and results-focused approach. He and his wife, Amber, live in Littleton, Colorado, with their two children, Addison, who is 12, and Ethan, who is 10. And Derek is a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual and leads a team of 15 advisors in his office. Derek, welcome. Yeah, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation today. Well, thank you, Derek. As I read to the folks, he is an advisor with Northwestern Mutual, and that is how we connected. I am with the Center for Military and Veterans Affairs at the American College of Financial Services, and I teach their CLF designation, which is their Chartered Leadership Fellows. And Derek is taking this tremendous certification because he is very serious about leadership. And in the course, I'm like, hey, I would love to have you on my podcast. And Derek graciously accepted. So thank you again, Derek. Yes, 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 yes. You're so welcome. I was excited and I think we got a lot to talk about. So I'm looking forward to it. We do. Well, let's get right into it, Derek. My father gave a speech many decades ago, many times, probably his most often given speech. He was a world-renowned motivator, but he also really talked about leadership, very pragmatic, very real. And he talked about the price of leadership and that if you are going to be wearing the crown or the mantle of leadership, there's a price you're going to have to pay. So you need to be real aware of it. And in that, he listed four things, the first of which is loneliness. And we've all heard that it's lonely at the top. But can you unpack for the leaders listening, Derek, what does loneliness and leadership look like for you? Maybe a time you went through it and any words of uh, wisdom or resources you can share with our listeners? Yeah, that's a great question. I love the idea of just being vulnerable in the conversation about these are the hard things around leadership and the things that we struggle with. I think it's so easy and tempting to write a beautiful book about all the amazing accomplishments that we've done and all the awesome trophies and look at all this stuff. But that can be inspiring, but I think it often can be somewhat defeating. So I do think let's talk about what it's really like and let's kind of build alongside each other. So I love uh, this idea. Around loneliness, I am a very connected person. I, I feel very deeply. And so it's very important for me to have really meaningful and deep relationships with people around me. And so I've struggled quite a bit with the loneliness factor in that people inside my immediate professional circle, they totally get what we're doing, right? They're building something alongside, they're in another office in another state or another city, and we're encouraging each other. And that's amazing and really helpful. But outside of my professional world, people really just don't understand what I'm building and what we're doing and leading people on a large level. And especially being in the financial services world, I think people look at that as like, are you guys on Wall Street up there? Like, what are you doing over there? So they don't really understand. And so there's a little separation where the wins that I have, if we are hitting a recruiting goal or we're hitting a metric for our office or a sales target, we're so excited about that. And then I share that with people outside of my professional world in like church community or my friends. And they're happy for me. They're like, yeah, good job, Derek. But they don't really understand what it took to do that and what the scale of that accomplishment is. And then on the other side, when I'm like, oh, we had this amazing recruit, he was coming in in April, and then he decided to take another job. And we were so bummed out because he was going to be a perfect fit for our team. And it was just an alignment and then something, you know, the curveball. I share those heartaches and people are like, oh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry that happened. 
but they don't really understand like, no, that's a really big deal. Actually, it's really important that to do that. So yeah, so loneliness outside of my professional world has been a challenge to fill. And so what I've done to mitigate that is really just surround myself with people who get what I'm doing, right? People that are building alongside, creating accountability metrics and also encouraging relationships that say, hey, what are you working on? I know you were hunting that goal down. How's that working out for you? And they can do the same for me. And so to mitigate the loneliness as much as possible has been very helpful. I love that you said building alongside because I would venture probably 80% of our listeners are entrepreneurs or retired once, twice, thrice from other entities and now are ready to serve. And it's so important. You talk about building your business, especially in the financial services sector. You need to be with people that are like that because otherwise you get somebody that may be in a nine to five and they can be very discouraging because the world we live in where you can only eat what you kill, I mean, it's a whole different thing. And so I love that you talked about uh, get people that get you uh, That's right. Sometimes even your family. I can remember my dad saying, honey, I got man of the year. And she's like, where's the check? They, yeah. She didn't get the fact that all these things are necessary. So go ahead, Derek. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, no. Just echoing that exact thought. Um, yeah. Align yourself with people that really get you. I've got a buddy, Scott, who we met at church and he's about 20 years ahead of me, which is like amazing for him to spend. We'll talk about mentorship here in a minute, which I think is crucially important, but he totally gets my world. He's built businesses. He's taken them public before. And so for me to really share and for me to feel really heard reduces the loneliness factor. Well, I love it. Gets your world. That's so important because you'll want to quit, right? We all want to quit, especially in entrepreneurs. Why shouldn't we quit? Why shouldn't I just go back to the easy, secure way? But you get people that have already gone through it and they're like, no, 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 no. They understand what you're going through. So I love that. Okay. So we talked about loneliness. Derek, next we talk about weariness. And before you came on, before I hit record, I asked Derek how he was and he was just talking about being busy and you talked about sleep and water and rest and all that stuff. And this really plays onto weariness because even in times of abundance, we can get stretched too thin. But can you talk to us, Derek, with everything you have going on, you're a father, you're involved in a lot of different things and building a business. How do you stay really energized at top form? We could probably spend hours talking about this subject about effort and rest at the same time. I've learned this phrase called equipoise, which means two things at the same time, two things that are both true at the same time, but could appear to be opposite. So this idea that we can have full effort into our life and also a healthy amount of rest is really the ultimate challenge, right? I think we could all work ourselves to death. Brene Brown says, some people wear overwhelmed like a badge, like they're proud of how overwhelmed they are. And it's like, no, I don't want that, but I do want a high amount of success and a high amount of accomplishment. I want to maximize the life that God's given me, but I also don't want to burn out and just be exhausted all the time and not present with my family and not loving my wife the way she deserves. So there really is a tricky balance between the two. And maybe balance is even the right word. I like the word harmony quite a bit, Mm -hmm. meaning some things are louder at certain seasons of my life and some things are quieter in certain seasons of my life. Sometimes the percussion set is taking a solo and it's like this crazy moment. And then sometimes it's just like this peaceful sonnet that's playing. So the harmony of the pieces of my life, I really work hard to do that. Practically, what that means for me, that's been so helpful. Again, I modeled it after one of my mentors, Ben. The quiet time in the morning is the most important time of my day. I've heard it say, if you win the morning, you win the day. And so I'm typically up around five or 5.30 and I try to do 30 minutes, sometimes an hour in the Bible and I'm reading and praying. Sometimes Tracy, I just sit, I literally just sit in my chair and just be quiet. 
Because I know starting at, at 6.30 or 7, it's to the gym and then in the shower and then meetings back to back all the way through, full productive, we're rocking and rolling all the way through. And then it's home and then dinner and then the kids and then some fuss is going to happen and then it's in my bed and I'm going to sleep. So I know if I don't carve out the first hour of my day, there also is a tithe element, I think, into that, meaning giving the first of your day and the first of your money to God. Yeah. If I don't do that, I feel like I'm just out of sorts. So I work yeah. really hard to just compartmentalize that part of my day. And also, I feel like it gives me more freedom drive into my day harder because I know I've already rested and I feel renewed and I'm not going to get burned out. So that see, that cycle has been very helpful for me in order to stay grounded and stay rested while also producing at a high level. Well, win the morning, win the day. But you talked about it being your first fruits. That is a bit biblical concept. You give your best. And that's we're, we're republishing Ben Franklin's way to wealth, early to bed, early to rise. It seems like it's just one of those constants out there, speaking of financial geniuses. And um, I love that you talked about that. And it's so important when you say balance, it's not like at any given time, we can just walk away from something. So balance totally. implies something is down, but I love the harmony or the synergy, or it's just yeah. something is louder, something is a little bit lower, but it, that I would say 99% of our guests talk about that first hour. And mm -hmm. how important that is to just get your spirit fed first, because mm -hmm. that's what fuels. Yeah. And when you get burnt out and tired, it's not your body. I know we're mere human beings. Sure, you sure. got to go back. And hopefully we know enough to take care of ourselves and get rest and stuff. But it's that your soul's tired. Something's not getting fed. I totally agree with that. Have you read the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? No. Sounds <laughs> tremendous. It's awesome. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a guy named John Mark Comer. And it's exactly what you described is yeah. giving us space for our souls to rest. Mm. Left to our own devices, I think we would all just a million miles an hour, everything's on fire, total chaos, always distracted, always on our phones. And there's a real effort to being restful and being settled. So yeah, check that out. It's a very interesting read. I think you'll like uh, it. I love the title. Thank you. You always Thanks. recommend the best books, Derek. Thank you. We've been recommending books since we met in October. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we talked about loneliness. We talked about yes. weariness. The next term my dad talks about is abandonment. Mm -hmm. And for those of us in like pet rescue or fear of abandonment, you know, sure. you're in toxic. That's not the abandonment he's talking about. He's talking about, again, you named that book, the ruthless elimination of whatever it is that is sucking away the best and highest hurry. How do you abandon hurry? So how do you, with everything that comes to you, and you know you've got a million people you're getting good ideas from, what about this? How do you stay really tightly focused, singularly focused, so you can really channel your best into that vision that we will talk about next? I love that question. This is so fun, by the way. I'm so glad that we're doing this. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so abandonment, this is a beautiful concept. I think it comes down for me to having the courage to say no to things that are really good so that I can say yes to things that are really great. Hmm. I think that summarizes it. Well, let's break it down. But I think that's a good kind of starting place because we all have great things. Well, good things in our life, right? We have relationships and opportunities and business stuff and coaching and, hey, can you be on this podcast and <laughs> all this stuff? And it's like, and you're deciding, is this good or is this like really great? And sometimes we need to say no to something that could be really awesome and very profitable and probably like what God wants us to do in the end. And it's like, not bad. It's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. But is it, do we need to say no to that and leave some space for something that we couldn't even think of or didn't see around the corner and then comes around and we're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. So 
for me, practically what that means is every year, sometimes I'll do it twice or quarterly, but at least every year, I'll reprioritize the things in my life. And I literally get a piece of paper out and write down, Mm -hmm. okay, professional life, my leadership responsibilities, my family, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with God, my responsibilities at church, this other side project I'm working on. And I just look at them and I say, and I ask myself, you know, introspectively, are those misaligned? Are we putting more time and energy toward the wrong thing? How much effort and energy we're putting toward each thing? And is it the right priority order? And so for me, that priority is first, my relationship with God, and then second, my relationship with my wife, and then my kids, and then my professional world, and then all my church responsibilities. And at times, those have gotten turned upside down or mixed around, and and the reassessment really helps line out what's most important. And what that does for me is it allows me to go with so much more confidence to do the things I need to do because I know it's the best and highest priority. It's easier for me to say no, because I know that I'm doing the thing that's the highest priority. What do you think about that? Well, I love it. And I love when you say no to people and you have a reason for it, like, because this is really what I'm focusing on right now, people get that. And so I think sometimes we're like, oh, I don't want to let that person out. When you explain that to them with truth and say, listen, this is great, but right now my main focus is this. Can we reconnect in three or six months down the road? But I love that you talked about because everybody kind of in the CLF talks about this. When we lay out our refocus or recalibrating or our pruning away, not the highest and best use of our time, we do talk about the different areas, family, faith, financial, physical, relational, volunteer. And so for the listeners out there, don't try and throw it all onto one plate. Be very intentional about teasing it out and really looking at specific goals. And people are like, well, it all links back up to the one thing. But I think sometimes people, they try and just take on too much. And it's very good, like you said. And listen, folks, successful leaders like Derek sit down with a piece of paper and scrap it. We all do it. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. like, oh, haven't you figured it out yet? Oh, no. Like. No. There is no amount of time during the year that it's not good to right. recalibrate your flight plan and go, is this where, because remember, things are changing too. Doors are opening, doors are That's closing. Exactly There's right. unexpected things, an illness yep. or a bonus, an opportunity. So yep. yeah, thank you so much for that. I love that you really share with the listeners that you get the old school piece of paper out and just write that stuff down. That's right. And I love your comment about recalibrating your flight path. That is exactly it. You're in flight. And you're like, well, let's just make sure we're on track for where we're supposed to be going. And let's, are we in the right seat? And do we have enough fuel? And just recalibrating, I think is so, so helpful. I remember a time when I wasn't doing that and it didn't go good. <laughs> so I thought, uh-huh. I might sorry. So it was like end of 20, let me think about my years. COVID is always a blur. End of 2021 is when this happened. And the business was going okay, but it wasn't really where we wanted it to be. I was really turning the flywheel hard, like working a lot of hours and really putting my effort and energy toward it, believing that this thing was going to take off and be amazing. But it wasn't amazing at the time. It just was like, okay. And, you know, my wife's like, I think you could do it. It's going to be great. And I'm like, this is really hard. Am I really working? And there's people ahead of me like, oh, yeah, he's there or she's there. She, It can be built. But I was just right in the thick of I saw it graph around like the valley of despair, right? You're excited about the thing and then it's going great. And then you go to this valley of despair and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in over my head and I'm not making the money I wanted to. And there's this, the failures are stacking up longer than the successes. And so I was right in that moment at the end of 2021. And then I did that exercise and I realized, oh, okay, well, part of the problem is I'm giving too much of my time away to my church responsibilities. I had a was on the executive leadership team at the church and I was putting in a bunch of energy and effort and that really wasn't 
producing a ton of fruit, but I felt like it's good work. Obviously, it's like growing the church. And I was had some other personal things that I was doing for fun that really weren't filling my cup, but were, again, it's like good or great. I think it was kind of that comparison. And so I did the sheet of paper and I was like, okay, this is a hard decision, but like this church responsibility has to go down a couple notches. And I got to put my business relationship higher up, my business adventure at a higher level of priority. And so I talked to Amber about it and she was like, that makes total sense. So I had a hard conversation with my leadership team at the church. And I said, Hey, like, I'm obviously I'm still in this thing and love you guys. I just need to put my focus or turn my flashlight toward this business. We're at a, we're at a crucial point where we really need to get out of this, this dip. And just like you said, they were so gracious, so kind to say, we love you and like, go crush it. And and so I felt validated in that. And then we did, right? We had a great year in 2022 and 2023 was even better. So I think that I just want to share that story for our yeah. listeners to say, it's okay if it's not going okay. Like it's, it's okay if it's like not going the way you thought. There is a path forward. Well, I love that you, you said in the thick. So you're talking about this and I'm like, I don't know if I should laugh or cry because I remember those days. I still have them, but I'm laughing because I'm like, oh yeah, we've all been there. When you talk about being in the thick, that is a great point for our listeners out there. If you are, that's probably a great indication for you to say, okay, stop. Let's lay it out on the paper and see yes. exactly what's going on. The second point that I love you talking about, you said be fruitful, not be workful or be productive, but be fruitful. If stuff yeah. isn't yielding, I'm, I'm all for kicking down doors and making it happen. But folks, if you've been kicking on the same door for three years, it might be time. There's there's something not meant to happen. That's right. And like you said, you're a man of faith. So you and I both know that we're being oriented towards there's other circumstances and blessing and things coming into our life. So again, if it's not bearing fruit, I don't want to say quit, but really be honest about that and see what you need to do. And then, as you said, you went to your church leadership and you were honest with them. Folks, if you are out of whack or out of balance and you have to throttle back from something, don't just ghost people. Don't just leave them wondering, I wonder why Derek isn't so engaged anymore. I wonder why Steve stopped coming to our board meetings. Be honest with them because otherwise that person is like, did I do something wrong? I mean, are they upset? And everybody that loves you understands time is precious. We time tithe. And that's so wonderful that they, of course, would be fully supportive of you. But had you not had the courage and mm-hmm. to speak truth and love with that tough conversation, they might've been like, why is our brother dissing us? And that's never good. Totally. Yeah. And also to echo that point, I felt more supported and more encouraged to go into this new season because they were like, absolutely. Like, let us know how it goes and we're rooting yeah. for you. So yeah, they're praying for you. Look, yeah. Then they can support you from another exactly. facet of your life because yes. they know it's all congruent. And when you get this dialed in, then you can come back and touch on that again. So yeah, thank you. Really. Thank you. Like I said, a lot of times, like you said, when you're in the thick, we don't want to let people know we're in the thick. We tend to, to isolate ourselves. Worst possible thing we can do. We don't want to throw out our lifelines and it's right. like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yep. So Call thank you. Thank you, dear. Okay. Loneliness, weariness, abandonment yes. and vision. And I can remember sitting around as a little girl listening to people like Og Mandino and Zig Ziglar and Norman Vincent Peale thinking, oh, okay, these guys are really smart. How do they get so smart? I'd hear people talk about vision, vision. And I'm like, man, I'm not sure if I was born with that. And my father was always like, Tracy, vision is simply seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. Okay. Otherwise you're just a dreamer or you're a doer. Okay. You don't really know where you're going. Like we said, you're busy little bee other, or you're dreaming, but you're not putting anything to work. So how do you, Derek, your vision for your business and what's next? You are growing an agency. So everybody's looking to you and you have all these different pieces. How do you own your vision for what's next? 
Yeah. Again, we could spend lots of time talking through this subject because it's so powerful. I think I had struggled with vision early in my career. And for me, what I struggled with was believing that big things were really possible. That was hard for me. Mm. We came from, I would say, a modest income and lifestyle. Both my parents worked their, their whole life and, you know, they were, I would say, moderately successful and we didn't go without by any means. And I just paint that picture because in the financial services world, some of the people who've been here for 30 years and have built tremendous businesses, they're wildly successful. Like the amount of income that they're bringing in is like, that's a pretty big number, man. So when I say I had, I really struggled with believing for big things. That's what I mean. Like, and so it took a lot of effort for me and a lot of faith for me to be like, no, I am deserving and worthy of running a successful practice and earning a healthy income and making a big difference in people's lives and being present for my kids and for my wife. So just believing that took a lot of effort. And I, and I want to start there because it's not easy. It's not, you know, just roll out of bed and go like, oh, I'm going to be the next Disney. I'm going to make this humongous. Like that doesn't happen. It takes a lot of effort to build a vision. You have comments on that? I have some practical tips, but I wanted to no, you go right. And it's funny because oh. one of the things in the CLF was we had to write, guys had to write your vision and how you're yeah. incorporating that. So no, keep going, brother. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Some practical things that helped me quite a bit. One, I had examples to follow. I had people that I could look up to and buy a cup of coffee and meet with and sit with or buy lunch and visit with them and just ask them about their life. Like, how did you get there? And what is your life like? And what are you struggling with? And what's going good? And that way, it's not this abstract idea. It's like, well, I don't want everything that Mike's life is like, and I don't want everything like Rachel's life, but I want a little bit of that. That seems pretty good. And her life is pretty cool. And so it just helps you believe more if you can see and meet people who are ahead of you. That takes some humility, right? To go, hey, I'm not where I want to be, but I'd like to be where you're at in five or 10 years. So can I buy you a cup of coffee? And I'd love to just hear. And they're always so honored. They're always like, oh my gosh, I'm still trying to figure it out. And you think you want to be like me? Absolutely. And it's always a great connected moment. Again, back to loneliness, like helping mitigate that. And then you just get to kind of use parts of their life as an example on how you want to build yours. Because if you've never seen what a really amazing, tremendous life is like, you have to see it. I think it's easier to see it from someone else already having it been done. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to build it yourself. I love that to reverse engineer. And I love that believing that big things are really possible for you. Well, Derek, yeah, I know you say your parents were moderately successful, but they raced and had you. So that no, I don't mean to downplay my place. I'm just they're, kidding. They're I'm just looking at you like, oh my gosh, your parents must be so proud of you. I'm so Thank proud you. of you, and I'm just your acquaintance, you know. I appreciate that. I had one other thought. Can I share Please. another? Okay. So here's a practical idea. I have a vision document that I use okay. typically again once a year. I have almost all of my advisors use it on a regular basis. And it has the categories of life. This isn't like a hard and fast rule, but but generally speaking, the categories of someone's life, someone's life, spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, relational, I guess professional, professional as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. So those kind of areas or pockets of someone's life. And then it's really helpful just to, on this document, write out two or three sentences of what that part of your life looks like in like 24 months. Sometimes 10 years is too far. Right. And I think six months is good, but I think a little, you want to stretch it a little bit. So like the two to three year mark, I think works well. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is you write it in first person. So it sounds like I am a loving and present husband and I treat my wife with respect and write you all these like amazing things that you are, or I'm running a successful business and earning this income and I'm impacting my clients in this way. 
or I am a physical body is strong and I'm, I sleep well at night. Like, and it gets the more detailed, the better. And then you have a literal document. Like it's a literal document. You put it on your wall and you read it and you're just reading the picture that you've painted of the life that you're building. So it really helps as a true North to go, okay, well, why are we working so hard? And why is it worth the fight? And then you read the document about what your life is going to look like in two or three years. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing. That's who we want to be. That's what we're building. That's what we're going to. That has been tremendously helpful. Love it. All right. So we covered loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else that you want to talk about on leadership? Because then I want to talk a little bit about what you do. Sure, sure. Real quick. Advice I would give everybody across the board, uh, if they're willing to listen, is have somebody who's pouring into you, walk alongside someone who's at your same stage, and always be pouring into someone else. If those three things in your life are happening at every stage, you're more better off than, than less. You're more doing it the best way than, than not. You know, it's so funny you said that because I can remember like six years ago when I went my husband and of course I was coaching and like you, we pour a lot into people. And I remember he looked at me and he said, and I read books, so I get it. I have my faith. I get it. But he's like, well, who's pouring into you? And I remember thinking that's, and I think we overlook that. And most of our listeners probably are like, really, Tracy, I didn't. But I, I think it goes without saying, be very intentional because that keeps you from getting stagnant. And that's the way it's that's supposed right. to be to keep that regenerative cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So important. So Derek, you talking about your job as a financial planner. I'll tell you out there for our listeners, the more I interact with these people, I'm like, if I had it to do over again, listen to Derek talk about his vision. I'm like, if I had it to do over again, I would have signed up. I would have found Derek and, and been one of his advisors and helped him That's grow right. his business. Because for That's anybody right. out there looking, it's just such a tremendous opportunity. I know what it did for my father, Charles, with him. Right. He had no education. He had nothing. But it is an industry that you help people mitigate the risks in life and yeah. build for their dreams and build to take care of those that they love. And like you said, you get to build whatever you want it to be. And yes, it's hard work, but what isn't? And I just marvel at what you're doing and the gift that you do for other people and helping them achieve financial wealth and most of all security. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I love that comment. You can build it however you want. I came from the culinary background. So years ago, I was a chef. Like I didn't even go to finance college. <laughs> like I just worked in the kitchens for almost 10 years and got a culinary degree and then realized, I think I want to do something more significant. And, and so it's been an uphill battle, no doubt. But I, I just share that story to say, this is not a well-educated Harvard grad that needs to have a finance degree and come on. It's like, if you want to build something and help people and make a difference in other people's lives, it's a really tremendous career. Well, it is. And my dad didn't even have a high school diploma. And I'll tell you what, the company you're working for, Northwestern Mutual, nobody trains better than that. I mean, they will not let you fail. That's just what's a beautiful thing. But Derek, when was the thing at culinary school? Had you heard about this? Or for our listeners oh. out there that may be at a point where they're like, okay, what's sure. next? I have a couple friends midlife that I'm talking to. And I'm like, you really need to look into this industry. Yeah. What made you make that pivot? Yeah, great question. So I was running a catering business that was mildly minus is how I would describe it. <laughs> That's not a word I know, but it's like, like less than mild. And I, again, working my butt off doing this thing. And it wasn't working, Tracy. It just was like not doing what we needed it to do. Not for um, sure. Yeah, I know. And yeah. so that was on its way in a folding fashion. And then my advisor tugged my sleeve and said, Hey, Derek, I think you'd be really good as a financial advisor. And honestly, my first thought was like, okay, well, that's a nice compliment, but I don't know anything about financial planning. That right. is not in my wheelhouse. Like, I'm not even understanding why you're asking me that question. But then I really unpacked, like, it's not about 
how beautiful a portfolio you can make or how great at math you are or algorithms. It's really about connecting with people and a lot of effort, but building relationships and wanting to build something yourself, wanting to be an entrepreneur and wanting to grow something. And then you can learn the tools and the skills of financial planning. You can learn how to build an insurance tool. You can learn how to build a financial plan. You can understand how Roth taxation limits work. So you can learn the skills, but the heart around building something and helping people was really what drew me to the business. I love it. So for our listeners out there, so Derek, now that we mentioned that, how do people get a hold of you? Is there a preferred manner? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think you'll put my email and probably my website in the link. Best way, just click that and check out my website and love to connect and always up to chat. Excellent. Well, to our listeners out there and Derek, Derek, just thank you so much. Boy, I got a lot of great notes and a lot of the way you say things, just you got me laughing and just reminiscing about my own personal journey. And just what a joy to have you share with our listeners about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And we just wish you so much more success. I know you will achieve it. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tracy, very much. It's been awesome hanging out with you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. And to our listeners out there, thank you so much. If you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe or share button. And if you do us the honor of a review, we would be so thankful. Share this with other people. Share this with your friends. I know your leaders, you hang out with a lot of leaders that are maybe looking at how to pay the price of leadership to encourage and inform them. And always remember, you're going to be the same person five years from now that you are today, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So make sure they're both tremendous. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a tremendous rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.